Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN, Anscape, and The Right Time contributor Dominique Foxworth has a new podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out The Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Right Time is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? What's up? As I was listening to you read the promo about my show, one, hugely grateful for you to help promote it. It's doing really well. But two, I realize that I think I might be hustling backwards. Maybe that's an off-air conversation for me and you, but it just hit me. Am I a victim of backwards hustling? It's a possibility. <laughs> What's the backwards hustle? I just, like, I know that, like, you and other people, they came to you to create more episodes. I'm out here routinely cranking out a three a week with all they, with they didn't ask for that much. That's a <laughs> that's a, a, a backwards hustle if I, was, if I ever seen one, but... Nah, uh, everyone nah. says you just need more reps to get better. So I'm like, I'm going to get these reps and get these reps. I'm going to get good. No, nah, it ain't a backwards hustle. We used to do two episodes a week and they turned to three till we started balling. After, after <laughs> they started balling, they was like, yo, how'd you like to play 38 minutes a game? You know what I'm saying? They're like, yo, you hitting all these shots, baby. Why don't you put up some more? Like they want you to put up more shots. That's a, that's a big win, man. Nah, but being asked to put up more shots and this is the part that might be for off-air conversation, being asked to put up more shots comes with a bit of leverage. Once you're already shooting them shots, you're going to be like, hey, <laughs> I mean, I've been shooting these shots on my rookie deal. And they're going to still be like, hey, well, that was what was expected of you. So that's well, what I well, mean about well, hustling back. Well, well, hold on, though. Hold on, though. Uh, when, when I was asked to start putting up those shots, it was on the previous deal. They were not like, yo, how'd you like to make some extra money? I remember when it yeah. came up and I was like, so is this a request? And it's like, nah, <laughs> it's not. This was this was this was not quite negotiated, right? And that's how Foxworth right. Friday came to be. I was like, oh, okay, this this how we go. But nah, man, I'm glad I've you know, I listened to the podcast, going strong. My man Charlie Kravitz working with you, one of my favorite people in this game so i'm glad you guys are developing the rapport it's just tricky because i'd be having to be like yo foster friday came around i gotta make sure i'm not stepping on your toes you know what i mean never i mean our conversations go somewhere else all the time it's yes it's somewhat unpredictable and it's always awesome so yeah you even if we talk about the same topics it somehow ends up in a different place and uh, so we got some NFL uh, to talk about. We got some big quarterback matchups. Also going to talk a little bit about the wildness of the whole Ime Udoka story, which feels like it isn't resolved, but it's kind of resolved for right now. But nobody knows what to do with it. But uh, we're going to get there. But Dominique, we got is the NFL going to give us Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen every year like they used to give us Brady Manning? Because I have to say on one level here for it on another level is going to tear America apart. Exactly. It got it got that boxing feel to it (laughs) where you are invested uh, in seeing it more than like there are other investments other than just your team on the field, because 
most people are not Ravens or Bills fans. No. Most people. But but both of these quarterbacks, well, actually one of them elicits a really strong reaction that's like unreasonably polarizing considering the results that he's put up. And that quarterback is obviously Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, uh, the reaction to him is polarizing based on like how he actually played. <laughs> no, there there was like a lot of benefit of the doubt extended to Josh Allen early in his career that based on his college performance, based on his NFL performance, felt like unfounded. And them people sure are proud of that investment now. And whereas for it was the opposite for Lamar Jackson, where despite the absurd level of success he was having, uh, there was like the opposite of goodwill extended to him, where it's like do it again, do it better, do it different. No, you ain't good enough. And uh, I'll let it, I'll let you have it back in a second, but I feel like I feel a need to bring this quote up. I did on my podcast too, but I think it was Jeremy Fowler when he did the preseason quarterback rankings and Lamar was like 11th and he had an anonymous defensive coordinator say that Lamar will never be a number one quarterback. He's a great football player. I don't care if he wins 12 MVPs, he will never be a number one uh, in my mind. And if that ain't drenched in all types of bullshit. <laughs> Yo, because that's the, the thing for me with Josh Allen. And I think that you and I are the right people to talk about the point that I'm going to make because we were not in on Josh Allen. And uh-huh. then when Josh Allen started balling, what did we do? We got out <laughs> here and said, yo, Josh Allen is balling, right? And not even with the, but we going to see. I did have a measure of, but we going to see after his third year when he threw for like 4,800 yards. But even then I said, even if he doesn't put up these same numbers again, that doesn't mean that he isn't good, right? Like these numbers are unrealistic to expect. And then for me, it was that Kansas City game, that the playoff game that just fully solidified like, nah, man, he's that dude. Let's get out here and let's enjoy the fact that he's that dude. Lamar Jackson won an MVP after carrying this franchise and saving everybody's jobs and you still had the people holding out. And so now this year we got Lamar Jackson in one of my favorite NFL phenomena, the contract year, right? Yeah. Dominique, uh-huh. you had a contract hmm. year. Coincidentally, the Balled best year out. of your career. <laughs> <laughs> the best year of my career. Also, as we've, we've touched on before, the saddest year in my entire yes. life because the pressure was was so real. But also the motivation is something like psychological motivation is something that you can't fake. And I get why coaches do bulletin board material. I get why you do all that because there is nothing. There is nothing more powerful than like legitimate, intrinsic, internal motivation. <laughs> That's why we revere those those great ones who are great and somehow still find a reason to be mad and send themselves <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> if I had to feel the way I felt that season every year of my life and the result is I'm the greatest of all time, I think I don't want it. <laughs> I think I don't want it. I, I like I'd rather be happy for much more of my life and uh and not have the career that a, a great one had. I gotta be honest with you. I know it sounds crazy, but like I, I think if you if you touch that place, you you might understand it. You was over there at the, re- at the residence inn, backpedaling, getting ready, getting ready. You was on it. You ain't know nothing that was on TV. All you knew nothing. that was what was on that film DVD that they sent you back with. That was it. You ain't seen no new movies. And Lamar Jackson is out here like, yo, 
It's time to get this bread, dog. It's time to get this bread. It looks like we can't complain about his receivers anymore, right? Because Rashad Bateman seems to be turning into what they hoped that he would turn into. Devin DuVernay, he's getting there. They got Mark Andrews. Like, he's doing it so far this year. We'll see how he physically holds up. We'll see how all that goes. But I feel like it's still people that's just sitting around waiting for something like losing a game to the Buffalo Bills, for example, which, by the way, totally possible because the wild thing is the Ravens had all those injuries in the secondary last year. And what do I keep hearing about their secondary now? Banged up, right? Like they're still in a very similar place on that one. On the flip side, we got the Bills. And actually, I feel like they've taken this Josh Allen thing too far. If you ever got him out there throwing 63 passes, that's wrong. That's a that's a bad recipe for any quarterback in football. Um, the big injury stuff on the Ravens is important, but the left tackle is another spot that is very important that they're now down to their third string. And at certain points last week, their fourth left tackle and Lamar Jackson is special. So you can design things to take the pressure off the left tackle with Lamar Jackson that you wouldn't with other people. However, Von Miller and that defensive front for Buffalo is also very special. So that's like a tough spot for the Ravens to figure out how to deal with it. But um, yeah, to your point, I agree. Obviously, the the pressure that they put on Josh Allen and Josh Allen's game last week. It's a hard one if you it's a hard one to like grade, I guess, because they asked him to do so, so much. And he put up crazy numbers, which would suggest to you that, like, give him a high grade. But he also like was throwing the ball to the other team and doing weird stuff like that old school uh, risky Josh Allen stuff where he did the fake spike and tried to throw a pick six before halftime. And he like hitting, holding on the ball and, and getting sacked and fumble and hitting uh, Xavier Howard in the chest with the football in the end zone. Uh, so like, yeah. And then also <laughs> just utterly putting him on his back and going for big runs and juking people, running people over. So it was a high variance game that like, I don't know how to feel about him in that game. But I mean, he's good enough that I don't know a single game matters for him no like we're past that point for lamar matters for lamar though unfortunately yeah like we're past the point especially with josh allen where like every game is a referendum you know what i mean and i think about when you start looking at the ways that people talk about lamar jackson okay cool just remember this that dude was in a draft with five first round picks he was one josh allen was the other the number one pick don't play for the same team the number three pick Don't play for the same team. The dude that was drafted right after Josh Allen, I'm not even sure if he's in the league. We didn't think that Josh Allen was the best Josh in that draft, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson, two trips to the playoffs, and an MVP, right? Like, like keep that part in mind when you start talking about, oh, man, this dude ain't this, he ain't that, or whatever. No, Baker Mayfield ain't that. Sam Darnold ain't that. Josh Rosen ain't that. Lamar Jackson, MVP. P, we've seen it. Uh, um, all quarterbacks lose, and all quarterbacks have deficiencies, and all quarterbacks who are good lose in big game situations. The bad thing about Lamar Jackson, or tough thing about evaluating or listening to people evaluate Lamar Jackson, is so many of them come with this like confirmation bias. Frankly, wanting to be right, which is fine, and we all have that about Lamar Jackson. But they don't take into account. It's, it happened to LeBron also where they're like, but look at his finals record. Like, no, the fact that he took some of them teams to the finals <laughs> is like 
way ahead of schedule for a player like that is like that um, Spurs finals. They had no business in the finals with that roster, but he was good enough to get there. And somehow now we look at this like, oh, but he wasn't a closer in the finals. And the same thing happens to Lamar Jackson, where it's like you dropped him in. And one of the best ways to look at this Lamar Jackson thing is they were a mediocre to bad football team. They took out Joe Flacco and dropped in Lamar Jackson. They didn't lose again until the playoffs. It was, I think it was six in a row. And then he gets them to these games routinely in high leverage situations. And Patrick Mahomes, first career, his first year and second year, he succeeded in those situations. Nobody else really does. It's so rare. Like, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger, maybe. I guess you could say Russell Wilson, but they ain't ask him to do much. And that's another thing on top of it. Ben Roethlisberger was not the catalyst to those teams, you know, and Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady again. He succeeded in those high leverage situations, but he was not the fulcrum on which that team pivoted in the same way that Lamar is. And so uh, in order to get to the criticism that potentially are fair about Lamar Jackson in certain situations, you have to overlook so much incredible stuff that he has done to get there. And that's what's frustrating to me, particularly when it's juxtaposed with Josh Allen, where everybody will, or not everybody, so many people are fine with waiting. And, and, and I think that probably fueled some of my criticism for Josh Allen as I'm watching Josh Allen, like not play well. And people are like, but he, but he good. And I'm watching Lamar Jackson bust the ass out there on everybody. And people are like, but, in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, what is Lamar going to do? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, that's all I got to say, and I think this should make the point. If Lamar ain't doing it, right, explain to me why Brian Daybowl is somebody's head coach and Greg Roman is not. Because normally when you got a quarterback that comes out and plays in the ways that Lamar Jackson has, again, there was an MVP. Your offensive coordinator going to get a job somewhere. That's how that works. Nobody trying to hire Greg Roman. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But I think also Greg Roman is believed to be a certain type of quarterback whisperer. Yes, 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 he is. And don't nobody got Lamar Jackson. I guess uh, Jalen Hurts is someone who could benefit (laughs) from a Greg Roman style offense. Because like when you point to Greg Roman's success, it's behind Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson. Well, Well, hold on, though. Hold on, though. Do not forget the resuscitation, not even resuscitation, because that implies that something was alive before. But bringing Alex Smith to life in 2011 yeah. also that's happened fair. on Greg Roman's watch. That's fair. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the reason that's part of the reason why Greg Roman or at least that's what teams can point to. Can I I mean, this is a bit of a tangent that Washington Post piece uh, and they're doing a the whole like expose series on black coaches in NFL. But the one from a couple of weeks ago really got me thinking about this a lot more but the idea that we don't have the boy genius label or just the general genius label only goes to offensive guys is kind of absurd particularly in this season where it seems like defenses are uh ahead or improved for the first time in a while and i thought about that when i was watching that admittedly terrible thursday night game between the uh 49ers and the Broncos. Oh, the Monday but, night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday, oh, night. Sunday night. Sunday night game. My bad. Um, and I just was looking at D'Amico Ryan's and was like, Brandon Staley did a lot less and got a job. And we all like bow to the altar of Kyle Shanahan. And he deserves a lot of that credit. 
But two years right now of D'Amico Ryan's, the strength of that team has been the defense, not the offense. The offense has been fun and unique, but the reason why they are winning important games and competitive and why they're in this game, where they're in this last game and why they might have a run this year is because what D'Amico doing. So <laughs> why are we not talking about him as a boy genius like we do every <laughs> so many other places? I mean, I know the answer to that. Yeah. No, tangent off your tangent. Oh, double tangent. Yes. So I did a little time with a radio station in uh san francisco and they wanted to talk about the 49ers and it was interesting because they were like you were talking about the 49ers offense and you said it was weird i said no i didn't say the 49ers offense was weird i said kyle shanahan's taste in quarterbacks is weird and i don't really understand like how the guy who really thinks of kirk cousins is like some vision of perfection for his offense and the dude that went with jimmy garoppolo rather than trying even mitchell trubisky deshaun watson and patrick mahomes then ultimately becomes the guy that goes with Trey Lance, right? Like, they, like there are things here that don't really add up for me in terms of his taste in quarterbacks. And so we talk a little more, and we get to talking about Jimmy, and I'm like, yo, man, he ain't it, right? So I look up, and the San Francisco, I don't know if it's San Francisco Chronicles, one of those San Francisco uh, like newspaper websites, and they're talking about how gleefully I was shredding Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm like, yo, there wasn't any glee in shredding him. This is just a matter-of-fact sort of situation, right? Him him running out the back of the end zone. Shout out to you, Dan Orlovsky. Your sense of humor is amazing. Your willingness to laugh at you is great because I'd have been sick of this shit after 14 years of it. Um, and I was like, no, nah, it's not a matter of gleefully shredding Garoppolo as much as just an acknowledgement and a question as to why it is that people are so, like, not everybody, but there's right. still a segment of people that are so insistent on trying to be like, hey, Jimmy G is a winner. And I'm like, winners don't throw passes with their eyes closed. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's not what they do. But it was funny because then that radio station, they get to the end because, you know, I had skepticism about Steph Curry at the highest, 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 highest levels. It's not like, I don't think Steph Curry's a Hall of Famer. I don't think Steph Curry's that good. It was like, hey, I've never seen Steph Curry in this situation. Let's see how it goes. And then he gets in that situation and it went the way that other people assumed. I did not assume that it was going to happen, but I was never like, he can't do that. It's like, hey, let's just go ahead and see it. So then what do I see in San Francisco, the aggregation capital of media, apparently? Bomani admits he was wrong about Steph Curry. What I said specifically was he took every bit of skepticism I had about him, wiped his ass with it, and asked me to smell it, right? <laughs> I was skeptical, but I ain't say he couldn't do it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But man, it is so wild. That market in particular is the one that'll take a little something and turn it into something else. And I'm just like, okay, I don't even want to talk to none of y'all no more. I said he couldn't do it. ain't nobody aggregate me that's your you're a victim of your well i guess uh, steph himself aggregated me but um you're a victim of your own success where they want to use your name to get excited but i I think this is like uh like we as people kind of view the world through stories and and stories we like to have absolutes Mm -hmm. and you know like we might like to have a a bad guy and a good guy and it helps so much i think Yes. Uh, to be like, you know, like it's a, a piece that you write or a, a radio segment that you do that's just like, yeah, he's okay, whatever, is not nearly as fun. Or, or fans no. following the narrative of the season, not nearly as fun is like watching a game and not waiting to dunk on somebody after <laughs> it's over. And even don't matter what they said, 
the details don't matter. Is it is it close enough to being opposite of my opinion or what we just saw for me to dance on it? It's just so much more fun. It's such more such a much more rewarding experience as a as a story. So like I get it. I'll be that for you every now and then. But when I'm right, I need y'all to come around here and celebrate me. That's the problem, I think, is like yes. you, you don't celebrate my correctness with nearly the same zeal as you jump on the times when even if I was wrong, I wasn't wrong. You guys decided that I was. Even if I was right about what you wanted me to be right about. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even saying that you need to come jump on me when we in opposition with the same fervor when I'm right and you wrong. I get that. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of us seeming to be right, we never came up with our number on when we're going to revisit the Tom Brady situation. And I recognize it's not all about Tom Brady because they are, in fact, depleted. They've got some issues that they've got to deal with that don't have anything to do with him. They were out there with me, you and Gabe at wide receiver. I understand that. Um, however, it still didn't look like some great Tom Brady, right? And like, and to give you an example of this, that Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Bucks who do play this week. Mahomes was out there with me, you, and Gabe blocking. And Mahomes never looked greater. I've, 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 <laughs> I've, I've never been more impressed by him than I was no. watching him run for his life, throwing fadeaway touchdown passes, all of these things. You know what I mean? Like, and I can't blame the dude for dropping it. Why would I think the ball was coming? Right? Like, why would I expect that any such a thing could happen? Brady does not look like he's great and surrounded by bumps. Like Daniel Jones, for example, where you can make all the arguments about the line and everything else. But I know what it looks like when a good quarterback has a bad offensive line. I watched the whole Andrew Luck era in Indianapolis, for example. It's not really what it's looking like right now in Tampa Bay. They look like a team with a great defense. And I guess we'll see when Evans, you know, Evans will be back off suspension. Chris Godwin will get back eventually. And then we'll get a look at what that offense looks like. But for right now, Tom Brady doesn't look like a dude that's elevating. Yeah, you said a bunch of stuff in there that is super interesting to me. So first, about the a little bit about the Daniel Jones thing is, I think you said you know what a good quarterback looks like behind offensive line. And I think what you know what a great quarterback looks like behind a bad offensive line. And like Andrew Luck was really great behind that garbage. Mahomes really great behind that garbage. So I think it's fair to look at Daniel Jones and be like, we don't know what we got. Because there's potential to have like a game manager, which I know nobody really wants. However, if you got a guy that is good enough, I just think we get so caught up as fans and and media people is like saying, check yes, check no. Is this guy elite? If he's not elite, let's move on. When in actuality, you can win with a guy who's not elite. And Daniel Jones, I think, falls into that category. But we don't know what he is. So all that aside, as for Tom Brady... There are questions and their recipe for success is great defense. And, and we said it at the beginning of the year. So it was that um, Packers game was exactly how they want things to go is great defense. Give it to our guy at the end in a clutch situation. And he's going to be able to get us in a situation to win the game. And that's the, that's what makes it hard to be critical of Tom Brady right now, which I've had no problem being critical of him. The reason why we didn't put a number on it last week was because I went in on him and was like, we don't need to put a number on him. I'm watching his game, and he ain't that dude right now. And whether it's because of whatever psychological impact of the drama in his life or perceived drama in his life off the field, or it's because he's aging or it's because his old line or it's because his receivers, 
don't, I don't know. I can't tell you. All I can tell you is when I watch him, he throw a great pass every now and then, but most of the game is consists of him not being able to air quotes elevate the team around him like y'all all said that Dak needed to do. And it appears that he can't do that, which is fine. I mean, like Lamar Jackson can. I don't know who else. Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen. Yeah. However, Josh Allen became Josh Allen when Stephon Diggs got there. Fair. So, like, it, it feels like, which is not no disrespect, and and I'm hurt so much better now when AJ gets there. No line is great. I guess my general point is, I don't know. We had, we've never, I guess we saw um, Mahomes in that playoff game with a garbage offensive line, but I don't know who can do it. Like people just, we talk about it because I think it's a good talking point, but football is so dependent. That position is so dependent. Nobody really elevating bad guys. You can like bring mediocre guys up a little higher, but anyway. Yeah. All that while Tom Brady is at the crib heating up them TB12 hunger man dinners. <laughs> he sell food too? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, all I'm saying is like normally in a situation like this, given what he going through, like, I don't know if you watched True Detective season one and they had that scene where uh, Woody Harrelson was sitting at the crib with the TV tray, eating that hungry man, eating that, uh, that hungry man dinner. And it was like, oh, boy, you down bad. It's one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. Tom Brady eating them hungry man. Like, why am I here, dude? Like, why am I? What 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 was I thinking? Do people still eat those? Like, I mean, I, I guess they still sell them. But I feel like when I was young, like, I guess in the 90s, early 90s, like microwaves just started popping. Damn, I'm old. <laughs> and like TV dinners and refrigerate or frozen food dinners was like a thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe it's just. I don't yeah, know, yeah, no, you're married. You're married yeah, now. Married That's what that comes down to. Yeah. Like you come holler at some people like me, but like, like I do a different form of the dinners. I do a meal service. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so they've they've evolved this thing. You ain't necessarily oh. got to go in and get the stofas lasagna. That's how much I want ya. You know, you ain't got to necessarily go do that. But now, nah, man, cats are still not trying to cook their own food. You know, like that's <sighs> that that game is still going on. That's like Tom Brady would have to have TB12 brand hungry, man, because otherwise they'd be putting stuff in there like meat. Um, <laughs> might you know, might catch a strawberry seed in there or something or whatever it is, and the next thing you know, it's all going downhill. Uh, for maybe him. that explains it. I think you might have figured it out. Ah, ah he's been eating strawberries <laughs> and ain't nothing right no more. He ain't getting he ain't getting the meals that he deserves. Yeah, he like Alex can't cook up meals. Alex cook up yeah. that other stuff that gets him right, but you know, he can't he can't get that. Now the flip yeah. side of that game, because you know, we don't that game that game's probably gonna be played in Minnesota because of hurricane bearing down yeah. on Tampa. Uh Mahomes, it's interesting now because they don't have Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill mattered, and to me, the thing that makes Tyreek Hill so impressive is not just that it's speed, it's speed going side to side and up and down is north south east west right so this isn't mm -hmm. take a guy like randy moss who might be the most football fast guy that i think i've ever seen but you were just fearful of randy moss straight speed in part because yeah. he's six four right mm -hmm. tyree kill that five nine five ten five eleven zone he's stretching the field in every direction that offense doesn't have that anymore like they don't have anybody to get the ball to that's scary they have guys that are effective but nobody that's scary. And the offense does look different as a result. Yeah. That um agility, that quickness, and like true football. Like it's Tyreek Hill is a unique football player because he is a football player, if that makes sense. Because like so many guys who have that type of speed 
can't track the ball in the air, don't have vision with the ball in their hands. And the most important thing you were talking about is that lateral speed, that quickness. They don't have that. And on top of it, he accelerates quick as hell, which is, there is no answer. Thank God that he's not 6'2". <laughs> it's like the league would be over if he was like even six foot tall. But all that stuff together makes him like effectively unguardable because he can do everything and also like he would have they would they might have won that game with him because he erases stuff you know like uh the the muffed punt all that stuff the kelsey drop all that stuff doesn't matter because we're in a one score game and at some point through the course of this one score game he would have taken a play that was supposed to be a five-yard gain and made it 25 or he would have taken uh the amount of defense away from someone else to allow them to hit a big play. And those are the things that you will not be able to manufacture with scheme or with whatever players you bring in, because he's kind of a one-on-one. Like I'm thinking Dante Hall, but even that was just running back kicks. Yeah, I know. He, <laughs> I, I had to guard him in the slot uh, many a times and it was a pain, but he wasn't putting, I ran into him in Vegas, uh, at the draft good dude anyway i'm impressed that you recognized him without a helmet and a Dante i, I Hall didn't honestly H-Town, so, by the way h-town i didn't at first but um i mean i don't know if i would have recognized him or not because i didn't see him my homeboy who was a college roommate and was a record-breaking punt returner in college loved dante when he was in college and so saw him from across the club <laughs> and then uh so we went over and hollered at him gay, anyway, re- gay is, recognized gay yeah he was like there you go and so i went <laughs> over and, and brought him over to the table we hung out but anyway the point is that tyreek hill is that special and you cannot replace him and i'm happy that i get to talk to you in these squares and nobody is out there telling me go cover that <laughs> and the scary part by the way is the Dolphins have two of them? Yeah, Waddle too. H town, H town. Oh, mm. Waddle. Are oh, they both? Waddle. Oh, that's yeah, Dante. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's and, and Tua's doing his thing. Like I, I broke down a couple of his plays recently, whereas he's not. And maybe he'll grow. He'll maybe he'll prove me wrong, and he'll grow into the uh, elite elite quarterback. But like to me, he's a franchise quarterback which is like an arbitrary term, but I like put that like high-end game manager, not game changer. He's like a, a guy you don't want to trade away from. But like, right. the, because if you play well around him and you ask him like, look, we need five plays from you this week. We need three plays from you this week. He going to give you them things consistently without down his leg. Yes. And that's a lot to ask for. But if you are like, hey, Go be Lamar Jackson. Go be Patrick Mahomes. Nah. Hey, nah. Yeah. What you ask for for a quarterback, at the very least, is just, okay, this isn't a question we need to answer anymore. Like, I feel fairly decently after three weeks as a Jalen Hurts skeptic. Well, that's not the question that the Eagles need to be trying to answer anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like he's done enough to where, is he the greatest quarterback in the world? No. Is it a jump on my back, boy, situation? Probably not. But they don't need to spend this year like, man, I got to figure out if we need to go into the draft and get a quarterback next year. Nope, 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 nope. That's not that's not where we are. You get a team like Washington that every year for literally the last nine, right, from 2013 up to now, what are we doing about quarterback, right? After Robert Griffin got hurt, every year it's been, so what are we going to do about this quarterback situation? 
I just want to get to this because it happened when, when we were off, like when I was out. I ain't never had more off the record OMG than I have with this Ime Udoga story. I wish I could tell you everything that I have heard, but I don't me. want to get sued. Oh, yes. I will tell you all okay, of it because all of it is all over the place, man. Do I it need to is... hear it before we continue this conversation? Is this a play to music situation or we talk after the show? Yeah, play it. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's all <laughs> what I've heard. You know right. what I mean? Like, like so much of this is flying around and it's turned into like this larger discussion about everything else. Well, what's the big deal if he was you know, a consensual relationship with somebody who works there? And I'm like, damn, me too was a moment. Like, as I realized more and more, George Floyd was a moment. Me too was a moment because look man you in that position can't be getting down with subordinates you can tell me what everybody else does in the league and you can tell me that this is a thing that happens across the board maybe that's what it is why he the one that got caught why he the one that's caught up in it i don't really know i don't un i don't have the answers for you on that but one thing i learned in 2017 is subordinates are a no-no and you could break out an org chart for me and you could tell me that, well, she worked in another part of the office, you the coach, subordinate by definition. If you walk in and say she got to get fired, she can get fired. And that means you can't do that, period. I am amazed that people are like pushing back at that. Like, I'm surprised he didn't get fired. The head coach, everybody's off limits. Everybody in the building is off limits. If you're the head coach of the football team or excuse me, the, the basketball team or whatever team, that's generally how I feel. There are a few people in the organization, and I, I know that most organizations have like a no um, fraternizing with uh, employees policy. And I also understand that lots of people fall in love and get married with somebody they met in the office. So like the rules around that are different for different people at different levels of the organization. But this is not... Obviously, it's not analogous to the Robert Sarver thing, but it makes me think about that when um, Adam Silver gave that press conference where he essentially said, I mean, par paraphrasing, he essentially said Robert Sarver uh, does not have to follow the rules in the same way that the rest of you do because he owns the team. This is an example that proves that, like, if you're there's different level of expectations and higher responsibility when you are at the top of an organization. And Ime Doga is at the top of the organization. So, there's different levels of expectations and responsibilities. The tough thing about this, or not tough thing, but the most interesting thing about this topic for me is the racial component. It's not the most important part, but it's the part that is most interesting to me to think about because all the other stuff in it seems quite obvious, which like you can't mess with people you work with if you're a head coach. So it's not, that's not all that interesting to me. The reaction and I talked about this a little bit on the, the bonus episode I do of my podcast with David Dennis is 
in part because of how the information came out, people took sides. And then once they took sides, they were entrenched in those sides. And the racial component for that is it's almost um, reflexive is when a black person is in trouble or did something wrong or is being accused of something or is being punished. There is a segment of society, particularly when it's a black man, there's a segment of society or of black people in general that are going to cape for them immediately. And then there's also a segment of the internet, at least that I'm sure you hear from, because I hear from it. That's mad at me. If I don't cape for Deshaun Watson or email Doker or whoever is in trouble. And given the sparseness of the early reporting and frankly, the use of the word consensual, they got entrenched. And then when we started to find out more, they didn't want to come up off of it. And you got to be able to come up off of it because I'm fine. Not, not even I'm fine. I feel like it's also part of my like responsibility as a black person in media is to like point out the inequities and hypocrisies that apply to black people in sports and around the world. However, I don't got to defend everybody. <laughs> and some people I cannot defend until I hear everything about it. And that's how I feel like I wish more people would react. Yeah, but with the things that I don't know if they are, they're out official, all the things that swirl and everything that comes around it, I just feel like they would fire this dude if they weren't really all in on him as coach, which is to say, ain't nobody out to get this man, at least not from an organizational standpoint. There might be somebody who works there that would like bad things to happen to him. But I just don't feel like the world is out to get him. And so when you talk about like the people who rally together at these times, because we got to take up for the black man. And I do think that sort of thing happens. And their general, if a black woman ain't defending the black man under these circumstances, <laughs> then by definition, then that, that woman, whoever she happens to be, hates black men. Like all of that is crazy talk to me, right? Like all of that is going way too far. But we are largely here. Because that man had been dealing with Nia Long. Like, that's the, the saddest thing that <laughs> I fair. saw was all them cats, prominent mm. people, blue checks, elected officials thinking mm. this is the time to shoot your shot at Nia Long. Brother, all you doing is making this worse for her because she yeah. is the collateralist damage in all of this. Because, bro, this is embarrassing to her. Yeah. To her, like, like yeah. she was just like, it would be really great if y'all would just leave me out of this. Yeah. Now, my wife explained that to me quick, fast, where like I was complaining about these people, like trying to celebrate Nia Long in this moment. And I just was like, it's annoying and like stupid. And she was like, no, it's worse. Like no woman wants this to come out. And no matter how many people run to her side to like comfort her in this moment, this ain't the comfort you want. Like, you don't want, you know, you know, like, that's not something to be proud of. And maybe she's the most sympathetic person in, in this. But tell me a black woman that's that's striving to be sympathetic. That's just <laughs> that, that ain't in them. And that's fine. Thank you, you sleazy ass stranger. I really appreciate you showing up here. Me and Shad used to always joke about the dudes in these moments. You know, they popping up like, you know, I'm just I never thought that he was good for you. But, you know, you seem happy. And so I just wanted you to be happy. Right. That's all. That's who all all these dudes are. And I said, one of these cats is matter of time for us. Like, you know what? How about I just come over, we read the good book, and we just think about where we gonna go from here. No, man, this is not. Yeah, this is this is not. No, 
Do they think that, like, uh, aside from the Neil Long situation, that that type of man exists outside of that? Do they think they don't know? Like, if you <laughs> pulled that game and it worked, it's because she liked you beforehand. She knew what was <laughs> popping. And if you pulled that game and it didn't work, it's because it's a whack game that they see through. You ain't tricking them. They smarter than you anyway. Yeah, you might have pulled that off when you were 19, right? Like, you might have pulled that <laughs> off in high school, right? Where you were uh, trying to work through their hangups in order to get to the place that everybody really wanted to go to, but it'd be shamed okay. out of because y'all went to church your whole damn lives. But no, 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 past that, like, Neolog is well past the no, no. Can I say something uh, about the the point about, to continue on the, like, Black people feeling the need to cape for him or defend him, like... I understand, and they're probably right. Not probably right. Um, many white men and white coaches have done similar things and probably gotten away with it. And you could say that like white executives could get away with it too. You could also point to several examples of white executives not getting away with it. Is there uh, inequitable treatment in this world? Yes. However, whether it's you're explicit or not, you're not arguing for equality. You're arguing to all to create another class that is above the law. So like saying they wouldn't have done this to a white man. You ain't making the world a better place. You're just <laughs> making it a worse place for women. And like if your hope is like, I wish they would have treated Eme the same way they would have for a white man. Put the facts of the situation aside and I'll just accept it. Like I don't have the research to support whether that's true or false. It's hard to be able to prove that. But I'll go ahead and accept it to be true. What is your fix? If your fix is to treat him like um, this mythical white man that you're talking about, if that's your fix, that's not better. You're on the wrong side. And so that's why it's like, it's fine to say, like, let's make sure we're holding everybody to this standard. That's fine. But coming out here saying he shouldn't have lost his job because they wouldn't have done it to a white man is essentially saying, let's raise ourselves to this level that allows us right. to get away with mistreating people. It's not. You're not fighting a work. fight that you think that you're fighting. And I would also make the note, they replaced him with a black man with a domestic violence charge in his past, right? Now, look, I understand he's team Franco Harris. You know what I'm saying? He's team, he's, I don't want to say team Mike Tirico because uh, Joe Mazzula seemed to approach this differently. He, you know, Giancarlo Esposito. Like I was not expecting when I saw Joe Mazzula was going to be the next coach. And then I looked up and he looked a lot like George Hill. I did not. I that that was not what I yep. was expecting. I was shocked like, too. Yeah, but it's it's hard to make the argument that this is about taking down the black dude. I want to make one point before we go though about Missoula and the domestic violence charge because I've seen this come up. I've seen the internet chatter, all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's the stuff that surrounded Malika and her bringing that up on that broadcast, right? Please understand that when Vic Grosbach, the owner of the Celtics, did his press conference about all this stuff, he was asked about that. And he explained that apparently they had thoroughly vetted this and that they asked him about it when they hired him and that Missoula had come to a new place in his life and everything else. Okay, this is the bottom line. If you are a man accused of putting your hands on a woman at any point, there's a good chance that you're going to have to answer for that for the rest of your life. That's the trade. Like, that's the game that you wind up with. And once a lot of people, particularly women, become aware that you have this in your dossier, they want and need it to be acknowledged because so often we've just shrugged this off with men under these circumstances. Now, what I would say is, if I was a TV producer, 
I probably would have put in, this is what Vic Rosbach had to say about this, right? But it's something to bring up. It's something to mention. And I was stunned myself when I found out that the dude had this in his background. And then he got the job, given that was we're dealing with Udoka is related to treatment of women, right? I was like, oh, are you sure? That's the way that you want to go about it. But they answered for it. And it's something that Missoula at some point is probably going to have to answer for. And it's something that I think is fair to bring up, even if it was 13 years ago. Because what people ask for, again, I thought we learned some things in Me Too, and this is how you know that Me Too for a lot of people was just a moment, is the feeling that people who committed such offenses are not brought to account and don't have to answer for what they did. And so people want that. And so I understand why it is that somebody brings that thing up. So I'm sorry, this is a bit of a, a, a another tangent, but I think the people come for our tangents. But when I was watching the press conference of Whit Grossbeck, I Googled who he was to read and learn a little bit more about him. And I think his first name is is Wycliffe. What? Wycliffe John or, or Wy, Wycliffe? It's Yo. W. Wick is short for W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E. That's Wycliffe, bruh, right? Bruh, I thought it was like Vic spelled Wick. It never nah, dawned nah. on me that I didn't know there was another Wycliffe Clef or wow. Who yeah. knew? I don't know. Uh, you think he can? You think he can make some beats? I mean, Wyclef ain't made a good beat in like twenty years, so I'm not really <laughs> he sure. He made some good ones. He made some good ones back then, though. Like, I don't did. know what else do we point to. I, I don't know. You know more about music than me. I was gonna say, can he rap? But like, well, why, I, no, that's I, questionable. I, that's questionable. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I was. I did. I didn't want to bring that up. The one thing I know Wyclef is good at is he can make beats. I will wrap this with one of my hottest musical takes, and I'll take this one to the grave. The Carnival is a better album than The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Do not tell your wife I said that. Do not tell your wife I said that. I feel, like I've got, I feel like I've gotten myself back into halfway decent graces with her. Do not. Ashley! Oh, Monty said that The Carnival is here better than Miss... Here we go. No, Dominique's, good, wa- Dominique's wife gave me the bird for saying <laughs> that the Unplugged Lauryn Hill album was whack. That one. I don't know what she'll do to me over miseducation. Yeah, to be fair, the un- she's not like a crazy Lauryn Hill fan. She likes Lauryn Hill, but I believe that it was one of those albums that I think she was pregnant and uncomfortable and that was the album. We already had kids and that was the album that got her through it. It's an old album. She wasn't pregnant when the album came yeah. out. But for whatever reason, those songs were speaking to her in that moment. So it holds a place in her life oh. that's different than the rest. So like she oh, wow. she won't, she don't, she's not mad at you for saying, she won't be mad at you for saying the carnival is better. I mean, okay. Case, she's not like a, she's not a Lauryn Hill stan. It's okay. just that particular album happened to Oh man, because I'd be killing them, them women that was pregnant when the, the, the miseducation came out. And they be all about now the joy <laughs> of my no. I hate that song. That song is whack. And I did. I may or may not have told somebody once who was telling me how much they loved that song. I was like, look, I ain't never been knocked up, so maybe I'm just not in the situation where I could properly appreciate where that came from. I should probably stop talking now. That, we get a lot more Jodeci uh, yes. played through the house than than we do Lauren Hill. To be completely honest with you, smart play, smart play. That is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out on Anscape. Check him out. Get up. Check him out on First Take. And of course, check him out on the Dominique Foxworth show. Two episodes per week plus a bonus. Be sure to check that out, my man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us 
on YouTube. We are going back to three episodes per week next week. So we're going to come back with the voicemails. Give us a call, 860-516-4119. Get back with the oldie but goodie, man. Tell us about what made you decide you were going to quit playing football. 860-516-4119. That is our number. Uh, remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.